Support for this podcast comes from JCPenney. This holiday, our in-person gatherings may be a bit more intimate, and our virtual ones, bigger than ever. But no matter how traditions change, what's most important is celebrating special moments with the people who matter most. JCPenney has all the best gifts, all in one place, making it easy to send your warmest season's greetings to loved ones near and far. Looking for the perfect gifts for everyone on your list? We'll be back soon with some of our top gift picks. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. I asked a professor about the evolution of, um, of facial hair, and or more like how we lost hair over time and stuff. And then, and then they pointed out to me that there's two different species of lice on us, pubic lice and head, and head lice. And you get the pubic lice on your beard? <laughs> are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. I am comedian and science enthusiast. Shane Moss. That's what I'm going with right now. Science enthusiast. Because I'm not a scientist. I'm passionate about it. I don't... I think calling myself as a philosopher is just like weird and strange. And I hate the way that it sounds. So I don't really know what I am. I'm barely a comedian anymore. I'm just a somewhat funny person. Because I'm not touring or anything. I'm no longer... <laughs> my job's on hold. <laughs> I'm just doing this science podcast. I'm I'm a guy who used to do a, a occupation that no longer exists. And uh, and joining me today is uh, is my good friend Tracy Fanara, who uh, we um, uh, she was on one of the coolest here we are podcasts. Amazing timing. I happened to be going through Sarasota, Florida. I had gone to this moat aquarium um, to chat about dolphins in the past. Reached out to um, that guest for a suggestion. Uh, for a suggestion, and it just so happened my timing was very from like a newsworthy media perspective or whatever. It happened to be um, in a water crisis happened to be in a water crisis we talked a lot about um uh, the uh what are they called again the red algae blooms yeah red no. tide red tide red tide um and uh yeah the red tide the algae blooms and um and then you did stand-up science one of the last stand-up science in the before times before the apocalypse and then i got on social media i started i broke my two and a half years off from social media when when quarantine happened and you're one of i follow all my past guests on like twitter or whatever else and you have um i hope i don't make too many people jealous too many listeners jealous here but you you have one of the one of the best social media presence out of all of my past guests you have fantastic like instagram and twitter stuff because you're into you're on mythbusters you're into doing the media stuff right yeah i i yeah i or i just really like to procrastinate work one of the two you know <laughs> You're fantastic at science communication. It's clearly a it's clearly a pretty big passion of yours. 
Thank you. Thank you. And I got you on uh, the Earth Day. I got you on and, my Earth yeah. Day presentation. I don't even know what to t- call it. It was a live YouTube. And now I, and I needed to get you on because I was on your Instagram and you made a very uh, important, exciting announcement about a new job that is you're you're a, a big deal now you i mean you were before but now you're you are um you're a mover and a shaker yeah now. yeah make not it. anybody can take 32 minutes to make a job change announcement <laughs> but, but i did well it, it uh i mean it it absolutely is well worth talking about for much longer than that if you ask yeah, what is just, the new job that you have you you're you're now in a position of power well yeah yeah and it, the thing is i wanted to qualify the job with moat that i absolutely loved and i didn't want to do a lebron you know like i wanted to make an announcement <laughs> but i didn't want to be like yo i'm taking my talents to south beach but i did put that in there but i it was qualifying i did it how lebron should have done it you know <laughs> like i love cleveland i will always be part of cleveland i'm gonna go to miami i'm probably gonna be back to cleveland i i didn't even i don't follow enough to know how lebron uh did it how, oh, this how was did a huge he... deal the first time that he left cleveland it was a big deal he was just like audi it was i mean there was so much media around his announcement of his and that's what you were that's what you were worried about you're going <laughs> you're going to uh, everyone was gonna be like you're a traitor yeah i didn't want we liked you like, when you were an aquarium yeah, person not yeah, some you're government giving up stooge. in florida <laughs> that's what i thought All right, that it well, was gonna be yeah, I mean, I wasn't in the aquarium. I was in a laboratory. I'm not a biologist. So tell us all about this new, because because this is incredible. You're, I mean, you were already doing amazing research, but now you're in a position to make some, some, some large scale change potentially. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, it, and it really makes sense. Like this position is exactly the skill set that I have acquired over the past however many years. So I was, uh, you know, I got into environment because of, of living in Buffalo and learning about Love Canal, uh, the incident, the hazardous waste dump site that started the EPA Superfund program. And then when I mm-hmm. learned about unsafe drinking water as the world's leading killer among children, I knew that I had to do something like that was my calling it was my passion because i wanted to do something whether i was paid for it or not and uh through my could career, I, yeah can i ask you about i am just learning just now that unsafe drinking water is the world's largest killer of of children is that is that in developed nations as well or is it no i mean it's worldwide so yeah. I think 1.8 million people are impacted or drink fecal contaminated water on a regular basis. It's Boy. it's just an insane number and like it's it's crazy. It's a li- just, it's literally a miracle. You just ruined my day. That was the worst phrase. <laughs> <laughs> that was I I wouldn't have when I started this podcast 
I mean, I mean this one today. I, I wasn't thinking. It, you know, I'm looking. I'm glad that I have. I have iced tea in a Lacroix because I'm gonna have to the next time I want to drink regular water, which is going to be tonight. I'm gonna have to go through a whole like mental process oh, no! of getting right with the words fecal contaminated. Yeah, well, water. if you think you're. Uh... You're safe from it in those products or in bottled water or not. Oh. Not so much. I mean, All our right. tap water has more has has more regulations on it. It has more checks and balances. I would take tap water yeah. over. I mean, unless Tracy. you're somewhere where there's contaminated pipes, like you really are the worst. You have a you have a, sh a new show you've been doing. Tracy ruins everything. It's kind of like Adam ruins everything with like environmental stuff, right? Like a, just a fun way of just destroying everything people love, but from an environmental perspective. All right, hit me, make me, make me never want to, make me never want to have a, a beverage in my mouth ever again. Well, I mean, you you wouldn't last that long, but but. <laughs> But for me, the big thing is Jelly Bellies, right? Like Jelly Belly, I'm obsessed with candy. I, I have a problem. Are I, you, D Tracy, you're gonna ruin Jelly Bellies for me? Oh, you like them too? They're my favorite. Well, see, here's the problem, okay? So <laughs> I love them and I try to ruin them for myself because, you know, like sugar, okay. is, sugar is the enemy. Uh, but uh, yeah, mm. I can't. And here's the thing, okay. So, so with, with jelly bellies, it really comes down to sugar and big oh. sugar is, is a huge, huge business in Florida. And they are located just south of Lake Okeechobee in between Lake Okeechobee and Everglades. The Lake Okeechobee used to run into the Everglades and this flow used to be, you know, allowing for natural deg degradation of pollutants biologically, chemically, and physically. But because sugar is in the way, the Everglades are basically being left in drought. They they are they are really thirsty, and uh, we're trying to find ways to get water back there. But we've changed we've changed the water quality so much that if we allow that to happen, the amount of phosphorus from all the fertilizer, the the um, cattle, citrus, sugar, everything like that, going into the Everglades would cause cattails to outcompete paraphyton, which is the soil of the Everglades, and we'd have problems anyway. So we really screwed things up and sugar's at the hand of it. So uh, I really need to give up jelly bellies if I'm gonna live my true life, you know, like my truth. You are so good at this. I asked you to ruin beverages for me, which you already, you've made some great headway. <laughs> and then you just decided throw in jelly belly. You didn't even know it happened to be my favorite can't uh, is it my favorite candy? I don't wanna. What kind of jelly? I don't want which, which I don't want to get snarled in a lie here. I don't. I don't want listeners to hear like, "Hey, but you said Jolly Ranchers in a past episode," right. and then like you know get a lot of blowback yeah. from that. Um, but <laughs> try <laughs> because being Jolly a Ranchers are up there. Try being a scientist. You don't want blowback <laughs> or changing changing findings. Changing your, your, your <laughs> <laughs> you said not to wear a mask. Now you're saying to wear a mask. How 
dare you work with the best information you have at the time and then update things when new information is learned. I do not agree with that. Uh, we should, we should, everything that, <laughs> whatever I learned at the age of eight, that was it. That was I never, it. I don't, I don't change my mind. <laughs> Any, if you want to stick some new, uh, some new content in there, you are my enemy. Right. That's how I'm going to view you. <laughs> um, all right. First off, a couple things that we're going to need to get out of the way. Sorry if, if this is too much of a, a going all over the place yeah well, you're i didn't a even say what i'm person. doing for my job no we'll get there but this is more important favorite jelly belly that is what do you got important. uh pear definitely pear second buttered popcorn oh pear is so good butter popcorn is literally one of the worst ones i Tracy. knew it was going that you, way I knew it. You, you really, you had, you won me over. I and know. Then I know. You just, and then even you're into the buttered you. popcorn. What do you think about the, what do you think about the joke ones? The, you know, you know, the, the Harry spin, Potter ones? No, 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 no. The, you spin the thing and it's like, and you pick which, which color you're going to choose. And then each color has both a good and a disgusting one yeah it's a harry potter it? game oh that's a harry potter game well okay. i don't know if what it started you... there i i that's the first time i saw it was when my nephews uh, have, brought that over have, have you tried it it's disgusting the, the grass really tastes like grass and that is definitely the best of the disgusting ones oh yeah that's i actually threw up from one I actually not surprised i had one small i didn't think that one little jelly belly that tastes like vomit would have the capacity to actually make me vomit. But whoever's taste testing these things, <laughs> like this connoisseur of disgusting, I mean, they are, they on nailed point. it. Yeah, yeah totally nailed Like, and that's the crazy thing, you know, like I, I remember thinking about that mentally. Well, it's just that big. Anything that big yeah. can't be that gross. There's no way. But how, it how could it taste exactly like a rotten egg? But it, it does. Do, let's um. They crushed it. I think we kind of. We should change the subject. We have to you because I'm getting nauseous. Like okay. I remember the. You know when you you, you, you know drink one fifty one and I'll someone ruin spins your you day too. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. I. You think you're the only one that can ruin things around here, Tracy? <laughs> You've met your match. Okay. Um. Tell us about, all right, uh, let's just, first off, I would dig into this subject more, but I already know you're going to ruin so much stuff so that like, I'm happy just glossing over things. One, let's get back to your, your history because that's where I, I cut you off with the, um, with the needing to, I don't know why I need to hear about diarrhea water so badly, but I did. Well, that's um, a big deal. I remember like that was subject. one of those moments in my life that it completely opened my eyes to mm -hmm. how far, you know what I mean? Like the haves and the have nots, like the fact that we just turn on a faucet and we can trust that water to drink it. Like that's, it's a miracle. It's, it really yeah. is. And it's but, something that we're really uh, taking for granted right now because with climate change, as we have saltwater encroachment and we're run, you, our available fresh water gets less and less and less. 
I, I mean, you know, we, we really have to put environment as a priority moving forward. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I Before mean, it ruined the future. <laughs> yeah, you would think that... It, what do people think about drinking? I'm, I'm just, I, I know that, I know that the climate change stuff is like, cause you're, you're, you know, such a, you're not just a researcher, as we mentioned, you do, you're super active, uh, you know, trying to, you've done TV stuff. You're trying to do more. You do all this so, uh, social media stuff. You're, you're doing every damn thing you can to get the word out to the public in any way that you possibly can. Um, do you I, I would think that the clean drinking water stuff would be would be an easier sell to the public than global warming um florida gonna be underwater in 20 years or or something like that do you do you find that to be the case i mean just like people take everything else in their day-to-day -day that will be impacted by climate change they take water for granted too um you know, you would think the sixth mass extinction would make some kind of like impact, like we're losing a hundred species a day, but um, they're not feeling it yet. And I always, I always kind of say that that's, that's like a game of Jenga where these blocks are being taken from the Jenga set and we're at the top and we might not feel that we're structurally unsound, but at some point we're going to fall. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the most, uh, <laughs> It's so tough with these things that are um, that are not what they think or what the general public thinks is an immediate an immediate um, impact. Like for example, Florida Red Tide, everybody was up in arms. What I mean, we had I, it, and look at the pandemic too. Same thing, you know. Like that's us not not worrying about deforestation and still using palm oil, and then we have this zoonotic. Uh, virus that's released mm -hmm. and and we're shocked by it now we need to scramble when the virologists and immunologists have been telling us to do so the entire time it's basically the same thing as climate change um and climate mm -hmm. change is part of that right um but it's yeah uh, i mean with the the, the way that uh, you know when i was when i'm i'm 40 now when i was a kid i literally you know i'm from small-ish town wisconsin but it's surrounded by farms everywhere and i i would go to and it was literally like you know old mcdonald had a farm type stuff um back then and and that that doesn't really exist in in the way that it used to not and not that that was like a perfect thing either but but with with packing animals in closer and cl i mean we're just going to keep on having more and more issues with oh, yeah. um, pathogens. Absolutely. And then when we're, not only that, when we're talking about agriculture and we're talking about water and water quality and algae blooms, I mean, we have a, a dead zone, what, the size of, it's New Jersey every year in the Gulf of Mexico. This year it was a little bit, it was recorded at a little bit smaller because we had a hurricane event come through, mix that water. And by the time that the cruise was done, it was really patchy still. It hadn't completely reformed, but we had this huge dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. And it's crazy because 38% of the country 
drains to this Mississippi Atchafalaya watershed down into the Gulf of Mexico. You wouldn't think that, you know, a farmer in Ohio or uh, Illinois or a utility in Illinois or wherever would have an impact to shellfish farmers or um, fishermen in, in Louisiana. But in fact, everything is connected in water and air. They don't abide by state lines. So all of this comes in and 70% and of the nutrients coming into the Gulf of Mexico is from agriculture because we over fertilize, all that fertilizer runs off. So it comes, all this fresh water because of how we've managed our land to prevent from flooding comes out into the Gulf of Mexico. It's less dense than the salt water below it. So that less dense water sits on top, not allowing, you know, mixing or oxygen to go to those bottom waters. And then with all that fertilizer and that fresh water, algae blooms form. And when algae blooms are really thick, they can block out sunlight, preventing photosynthesis from everything underneath. And then when the algae blooms die, that process uptakes oxygen from the water column, causing something called the dead zone or an area of really low oxygen that is catastrophic for marine life. And this is a huge area of the Gulf of Mexico. So yeah, like things like that, I feel like where, where people locally in locally, it's a huge deal. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. But we need to find some way to connect each other through empathy. We have to, because because these these problems are just going to keep on growing and growing, and more and more people are going to be impacted. And uh, figuring out how to get people to care now about someone that they don't know is our biggest challenge when it comes to climate change or water quality or whatever it is. Mm. So it's very easy to care about the red tide when you're a fisherman in the Gulf right. who can no longer get fish. Or and, when your but, hotel but, is empty. But to be a farmer in Iowa, to like understand that uh, the consequences of, of what you're doing are causing that are, I mean, I'm sure there's most people that have never even heard that potentially their fertilizers do well I, I don't know i don't know what what uh what kind of regulations and stuff around on farmers around here but um but but some of this is just becoming mindfulness uh, uh, mindful as kind of a culture i feel like my my father who's from um new Elben, iowa this this uh city of like 300 people or something like that is maybe a little more anyway it, you know we'll drive past it he'll it, he would always show me like well there's where we dumped our our trash 
all of the time because it was like, oh, you dump it by the Mississippi and then the the Mississippi will take it away. Right. Well, this is like, or, or you know, I was watching Mad Men not too long. Not that this is like a documentary or something like that. No, but it's a but reflection I think of the past. For sure. Yeah. And and you you see him out having a picnic and just like no one cleans up anything in a park or whatever. Afterwards, you just leave it. And it's just, you know, no one was trying to be an asshole. It was just like completely oblivious. oblivious. Yeah. I, and and as as someone who like I am, I'm oblivious about so much in, in life that that uh like i can out oblivious anybody um and and so so you you know i i i feel people there um that i think a lot of people just simply don't know so isn't isn't the answer as much as i hate to say as someone who's like never been like some pro government guy isn't isn't the answer just policy changes at the end of the day it absolutely is but to make those policy changes and you look back through history and every big policy change was at the hand of citizens the public outcry like mm. every big policy change had something to do with the people getting involved and and the only way that people are going to understand what to yell about is if they're educated enough scientifically to voice those opinions you know like if you don't know anything about science you just don't you, and you see your fish dying outside and you know that you're not get, catching any fish that's that's all it is you're like i have no idea but when you understand that that you know there aren't strict rules on nutrient pollution um and that that the regulations in another state affect you and your state and then you realize that there needs to be federal regulations because you know, water and air don't have those boundaries. Like they don't abide by state lines. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so it's 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 science, it's education, it's the public getting involved, and then it's regulation change. And to tell you the truth, you know, state of Florida, we had that big dual algae bloom and it completely crushed economy. And that's something that that really, um, when you see economy being devastated, that's when change starts to happen but but the people wanted change the people voted for whoever talked about environment more and so um so there was money put into you know restoring the everglades and preventing the overflows from this big uh lake called lake okeechobee that is famous for cyanobacteria blooms now that's not the regulation that i wanted to happen um, because it really wasn't regulation, it was more funding for Band-Aids, but that's that's a story for another day. Um, I would have liked to see stormwater regs change, but, but the truth is that what they did um, was a faster change than what I would propose, what I did propose. Um, so it's, uh, you're right, it, it does come down to regulation change because I, honestly, we can't we are not responsible enough or empathetic enough to change our behaviors and actions on a daily basis so that they don't impact somebody else. Hmm. I, first off, I loved the water and air don't care about uh, state lines. Um, such an important uh, point to make. And, and uh, not not just uh, thinking about things on a national level, but a global 
level, it's it's a little tricky to get people because you know this is a big these these like arbitrary little borders that we draw around places are a big part of our identity and who we are and the flags that we wave and and our policy and, and our policies. Um, hmm. It, I I wonder as as someone who wishes that uh the world was more science-based policy driven and governed um not that it would be necessarily a, a panacea but um i i wonder if if within this crisis there could just be a movement towards rather rather than the political stratifying of like uh, were the mask side or the not mask side or were the global warming side right. or the not of i wonder if we can get people to eventually just vote for expertise you know eventually because i think you could get people to start to tune into what expertise looks like which is that understanding that we all we all have different jobs we all have different things that we do in life that we gain experience and mastery over and within doing that we have the experience of understanding that learning about something and becoming an expert in something comes along with uh the exploration of complexity and nuance that comes into each topic and so once you understand that it's quite easy to know when someone's not an expert on something because because it's very it's very like um uh, i mean we're all we're all hearing um what it you know uh, the kind of obnoxious political talk that goes on from non-experts right Right. And it's, you know, and, and I like a lot of what you said about, you know, voting for experts. But the, the problem with that is that you vote for an expert. And I know a lot of scientists and engineers are not very good communicators and and people make yeah. decisions during those debates. Um, and then, you know, you think about an expert in one topic, but then you have all of these other things that they're not expert in. And, and you right. saying that actually made me think differently. Maybe we we should be forming teams. We shouldn't be picking just one president. We should be choosing team yeah. members to for the most powerful team. And and I mean, it's not always going to be, you know, like it's going to be hard because you look at the Yankees when they had everybody. They didn't win world championships. We have to pick the team that works well together um, and complements yeah. each other. And that's that's a tough thing to achieve. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting. You know, we we value. Um, we value things like IQ or like individual performance or whatever. And it, and it really, it really neglects the very idea of we are social animals that learned to work in groups and, and, and quite testably, you can see that, uh, that the team with like the, the highest individual IQ person on it or whatever isn't necessarily the most effective team. They've done no. like a bunch of studies about this. And 
be, because it doesn't necessarily translate to the to the ability to the the ability right. to solve a, a difficult math problem doesn't necessarily translate to the ability to work with other people. No. So what they do, and I know that I was a I was a, a presidential management fellow, and they watched you and watched how you worked with people and watched how you talked um, uh, in a room. It was it was pretty intimidating, but. Um, that process it's almost like they were looking not just at, at iq because they knew that you you had the grades and and the intelligence but they were also looking at sq and eq and yesterday uh i applied for a what, what's sq what's sq and eq uh social and social intelligence and, oh right right okay. yeah and so yesterday on my ted fellowship i i proposed something called psyq which is you know uh intelli intelligence with empathy it's like a combination of the two and kind of spreading that and emitting that um to kind of uh inspire change in people around you hmm. yeah i yeah, don't know if I mean, buy I, it either i just made it up on the spot so we'll see <laughs> no I, I i mean i think i think that when we talk about empathy for some people um uh, it, it, uh, not you know the the people the people that listen to this podcast are are used to kind of hearing um these more complex conversations but it, but I do feel like in in regular life if I if I'm going and hanging out or talking with some old high school buddies or something like that the word empathy especially in men has this like um has this almost stigma to it of like this weakness or softness right. and it's like not tough enough or something but but empathy the the ability to understand um another person's mind or even another um mammal's mind or whatever it is is something that was such a it, it's it's one of the like the the amazing human specialties that we've evolved it's one of the things that got us where we are is our ability to in terms of from being able to hunt in groups to being able to gather to be able being able to then build whole civiliz civilizations took the ability to know to make predictions on what other people were um were thinking and so uh you're exactly it, right it, we almost need another word for it or something. It's almost, empathy now has such a, cause, cause there's, I mean, social I, I awareness, like, I think isn't, isn't really strong enough and it's too long. It's a, yeah, there's gotta be another word probably that I don't know. Um, cause if I, if I tell someone about theory of mind or something like that, people will be like, yes, well, that's a terrific thing that we have, but right. it's basically that is, you know, attached to empathy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I love what you said about it being kind of a um, a signal of of evolution because you know we look at our other animal counterparts and how they're you know really I mean animals have different ways of, of working in a family or a team, but for the most part they're they're for personal gain and to try to get away from that and see big picture you know and some animals actually do that really well they see um they know that if they go for something right now they're going to lose out on something bigger in the long run you know there there are animals that have that ability um but that's what we need to think more about and and i say empathy um 
meaning that caring about other people, of course, but it's also about caring about future generations, caring about what happens to the world after you're gone and what kind of impact you have and how you're going to leave the world when you leave. Um, so it's, you know, it's, and then it comes down to, you know, uh, not just empathy, really thinking, even if you're doing selfishly, when it comes to environment, if you're thinking about long-term economics, and this is within our lifetime, um, prioritizing environment is going to be a major focus if we want to preserve long-term economics. Yeah, I I mean, even, even just thinking about your future self, like thinking about the Shane one year from now, this is something I am, I have never ever been, been good at. I, I think that it's, uh, speaking of another thing that humans evolved this incredible capacity for as much as we beat ourselves up for, um, people's inability to control their impulses, we actually can do it much better than almost any other um, primate out there. It's just that we don't always tap into that, uh, that trait of ours. And uh, this pandemic's a very good example of us failing to pass the marshmallow test of like, hey, if everyone can just hang tight for a few weeks, you get to have more rights and more freedom without the, the, the right. potential for um for illness right in the future right people are like, i can't i need to get to every live concert right now what do you mean i can't have all and my all normal the toilet things. paper we need all the toilet paper yeah um yeah it's, so that was that was an interesting thing to see how people thought that their rights were taken away whether it was wearing masks or you know not being able to go to a concert or a nightclub it, should, it was an interesting rally it was interesting to see um you can see you can tell a lot about a person's personality as their attitude as they were going through the pandemic mm -hmm. this is i said this a, a bunch of times I, I, to me to me this was a lot like a global mushroom trip in the way that it revealed our inner selves to one another. Like we're all we're all the most ourselves we've ever been. Environmentalists are the most, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, passionate so about the environment. I I'm I'm the most passionate about science I've I've ever been as a science communicator. Conspiracy theorists are rattling off the the most conspiracies at breakneck speed. Oh yeah, they, they're going they now far have, this like, time. There are, yeah, it's like the, the, the first conspiracy theories weren't even enough. Now there's like conspiracies about how those conspiracies involved and, uh, and it's, it's every, <laughs> so it's, it's a real good, uh, we're learning a, a lot about ourselves. <laughs> that's, that's one way to put it. We are learning a lot about ourselves and I'm sorry, I keep on messing with my hair. It is. I, I, I'm doing this outside and I'm in Florida in August. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. I could just yeah. see it frizz up. It's funny. Okay. Anyway. Oh, uh, I, I can't, I can't see it from, uh, here. I think, I think you're fine. Um, <laughs> Tracy, we're talking about, 
we're we are we're talking about this uh, preventing the the sixth uh, uh, mass extinction yeah and i'm worried about my slow, hair see that's the problem with people today yeah there you go um but uh but you gotta you want to look good on a podcast to communicate these ideas so right there's another thing that you have to factor in life is so complicated so complicated. so so tell us about the new job that you got i i mean i guess you could i guess you could maybe quick for the no, people that didn't hear the first time what your what your job was at at moat quickly and okay. then how you got into um yeah so i realized that you know going through history that it really is the the public that has made changes you know i uh, proved with my dissertation that low impact development retrofit going to urban environments or even agriculture oh, what sorry i missed that word low Low Can you say that? Oh, you said retro retrofit. Yeah, retrofit. Okay. So going back and, and redesigning an area. And I found that if we did that and implemented things like infiltration trenches, rain gardens, cisterns, disconnected our what's called impervious surface, that stuff that water doesn't penetrate through, like concrete or a house. Um, if we did that, we can get to 90 percent pre-development hydrology almost like there's nothing on top of it um and and hmm. realizing and developing wait, wait, wait i'm sorry what do you mean pre-development um hydrology so that means before anything was built on their land like mimicking the natural really? environment yes so you slow the water down and allow that water to infiltrate and be treated um naturally through natural soils or you can actually enhance that through filter media so for my masters i developed uh well i worked on a team that developed a filter media uh that removes nutrients from stormwater runoff hmm. so when i did Amazing. that and i realized stormwater regulations didn't change i looked back through history and i realized no that's that's what i'm missing i'm missing the public I'm missing the communication aspect and the informing the public so that we can rise up together and demand change. And so I took the job at Moat because it had both the research and the communication aspect. Now, I wasn't too fond of uh, focusing on, I'm, I'm so big picture and so watershed mm -hmm. scale, you know, and I was, I was supposed to work on, on a micro algae called Florida Red Tide, but then I started talking to the public and hearing how it affected their lives. And I got sucked in and, and cause I care about people. Um, and it was, uh, it was the 2018 dual bloom that caused the Florida water crisis was the most important experience that I've had, but also the most depressing, um, as a scientist, so Florida red tide acts differently than other algae species. There's thousands of species. Every, every species has their own thing, their own motivation. What makes this species so unique is that the toxin can cause mass fish kills and harm to our precious megafauna, but it can also aerosolize. And what that means is that it goes up into the air and attaches to sea salt particles, moves on land with winds and causes people to cough or sneeze for those with asthma or other respiratory illnesses, this can be really serious. 
So um, my first job was to redevelop uh, a website. So I redeveloped the website and developed three apps to alert the public of where the effects of Florida red tide are so that they can protect themselves um, and choose the beach that doesn't have these effects. Now, when the bloom of 2018 happened, it was, I mean, it was devastating economically, public health, was um, recreation. I mean, like you see tons of dead fish washing up, dolphin, I mean, it was depressing, it was terrible. And people wanted an answer. They wanted to point the finger at something. And and the first finger that was pointed was at sugar, which is funny that we were talking about that this earlier. And when it comes to Florida red tide, um, as far as their contribution goes, it's, it, I'm not saying they don't contribute because when a bloom does get close enough to shore, it can use surface water nutrients. It's just that um, connecting it to those Lake Okeechobee overflows, um, it only contributes like three to 5% of the flow and well up to 9% of the nutrients going into Lake Okeechobee and then overflow. So it, it plays a role. It's just that people wanted to point the finger at one thing. And and I don't blame them because if if there's one thing that's causing it, then they could fix it. Um, but there is no quick fix for this toxic algae species, which is native and plays an important role in the ecosystem. Um, so it was, it was really tough. It was really tough. And then to get people to understand that nutrients isn't just coming from that Lake Okeechobee overflow, it's coming from wastewater. Uh, it's coming from septic, wastewater overflows, septic. It's coming from our lawns. Like we all play a role and get getting people to take responsibility for their own actions was so difficult but it was it was the most effective way to communicate is to show people what they can actually do so my expertise in in retrofit design actually came in really handy and i did over 200 talks to the public in like a year and a half like it was something insane um mm. to try to help uh, us all get on the same page but it was a it was a tough time for sure uh, but, but working on that microscopic algae, I realized was really important. Um, so I, I was offered a position from NOAA, um, and Noah, I keep on wanting to say NIH because that's all in the, in the news over and over again. It's right down the street. Um, so really? Yeah. Yeah. In Silver Spring. Um, well, Noah's in Silver so what's Spring, Noah? I think. NOAA is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And so I'm, I'm glad that we talked about how important it is to look at things from a global scale, because this job, um, I'm going to be managing all of US modeling efforts. Um, so, and, and the reason, well, the goal of, of my role is to develop a unified Earth systems model a model that will take into account all of Earth's systems so we can answer those big questions that have yet to be answered. And, and I, it's just the perfect role for me because it takes, it takes my modeling experience into account, the communication and, and development um, experience that I had at Moat. And then it also uh, uses the research because right now I'm, I'm writing a uh, request for for publication, it's called a, um, a a funding opportunity call, basically. Uh, 
So it's uh, mm. it's pretty awesome. Like it's crazy because in the first week, I was talking to you know people working on microbiologic models and macrofauna models and and you know river and tidal models and then atmospheric and coastal. Like it's crazy all the parts that are working together. And I, like, I just see so much potential in this and I'm working with just brilliant, like a huge team of brilliant people. Maybe Noah should run the US. <laughs> yeah, well, well the, we, we need to do something differently. <laughs> that, that's for sure. And I love the idea. I mean, speaking of, I mean, I've, I've said this long before uh, this president i i said this uh, during obama and every uh, and, and before obama I, I liked and everything but I, I don't think that there should be a president i don't think that there should be one person in charge it do, it makes no sense to me on any level if 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 what a president's doing is so important like what happens when they take a break or go to sleep at night the the world Play keeps on golf. spinning i they they can't be one person simply cannot do everything that needs to be done no but yeah. it, it was never supposed to be like that it was supposed to be yeah. that the team was congress um but right. you know when executive orders are you know put in place to override decisions made by a unified team that's when it starts to get a little tough yeah yeah right like rolling back environmental regulations. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how much about that you want to talk about because this is, I mean, it's been, speaking of oblivious, I, I don't, I know the tiniest little tip of the iceberg of what's been going on environmentally since, since the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, early on my environmentalist friends were like yay terrific there's there's no cars on the road for two weeks and now finally people will see human impact and and the the harm we're doing to the environment and now surely it is just too clear to ignore and we will create policies and changes to protect our earth I, and I, I'm usually an optimist, but when people were saying that and people are like, talk about how all the good environmental stuff, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to hold off a minute. <laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh. So Tracy ruin everything for us right now. What, what has happened since that time? I mean, it's okay. decades, yeah, decades I mean, of rollbacks. Yeah. But the decades of rollbacks have been happening for the past, you know, years, three years. Yeah. So, you know, we had the clean water act rollback. That was a big one because it, it eliminated stormwater from regulation stormwater, um, and before, before you know, 2015 or whenever uh, the Clean Water Act was was boosted up, um, the Clean Water Act was kind of vague. Uh, so for the first time, we really had some clear out, outlines and and stormwater wetlands, these areas um, that are now omitted from this rule. Uh, it's the largest non-point source of pollution, and that's what's causing the dead zone. You know what I mean? Like like to to eliminate such an important part of our water cycle 
to actually care about and regulate. It's just crazy to me. I, I mean, I I understand if you know nothing about science and stormwater, how it can seem like that wouldn't be a big deal. Um, to protect an area that's only wetland sometimes, you know? Um, but the truth is that it, it's stormwater and all of this water is part, we're not making any new water, you know? like. Like the water that we have now is the water that we had thousands of years ago and will be thousands of years from now. So we better treat it accordingly. Um, and rolling back regulations on the Clean Water Act is not not the way to move forward. Um, and then, you know, there were... Uh, there, um, who rolls back a clean water? Like, who's, who's against clean water? Clean right, water. right. You wouldn't... Uh, apparently, well, here's the thing you have to keep in mind that that regulations, especially the one, this one was eliminating the use of a small chunk of land for agriculture. So it was, mm. it, it had to do with, with economics and making other people happy, but, but we have to really work together to do what's in the best interests of the whole and not just today in, in the future too. And the clean water act, um, including uh, these, the stormwater was a, was a huge improvement. Um, but then there's conservation areas and, and places where drilling is allowed and, and fracking. And, um, but, but what happened since the pandemic, the many things, many things got rolled back. A lot of, uh, there's just a lot. Um, but the, the main thing for me is when it was, made that uh, polluters, miners, industry, factories, drillers, all of that stuff, their fines on environmental um, regs or, uh, you know, not meeting environmental regulations, those fines were waived. Um, and so mm. now, right now, and even still, pollution can just happen. You know, they, I mean, that's, that's, that's why we got into this position where we have regulations because these chemicals were leaching into groundwater and soils and and there are cancer clusters and birth defects and you might not see it right away but but by the time you see it it's far too late and and by the time you actually hear about it that's when it's hitting the middle class because you know the people without the voices uh the the underserved communities they're affected first um, and, and even if they vote against themselves, it doesn't matter. They're affected first. Mm -hmm. And by the time it hits the middle class, it's, you know, I have four friends from high school that have three that have passed away. One that's stage four cancer, my age and younger. Um, and that was because of lack of regulations over time. And, and we're setting ourselves up for more of that. I mean, there are thousands of super fun sites around America that that haven't been cleaned up, and and right now because of the the cutbacks on environment, we are cleaning up the minimum amount, the smallest amount of sites uh, since the development of the Superfund program. So mm. it's um, or since it got going, I should say, um, but. Yeah, so we were we're at a point where we need to to make a difference, you know. And even though you know our um, you heard about the the 
the overage day, the environmental overage day, I, I, I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's the day a year when we exceed um, our ecologic uh, availability, basically. We're exceeding, we're taking more than we're giving back to the environment, like it's not recovering. Mm -hmm. Um, and every year that, that date gets pushed back and back in the year. So this year or last year it was, you know, July before that it was, um, or maybe June and before that it was July, you know, like it just keeps on getting worse except this year. The one thing that did happen is that that date got pushed back and it was yesterday. Um, mm. but, but that was just a temporary thing cause we are back you know, the flights aren't back up and running like they used to be, but they will be eventually. Um, I'm just hoping that we're realizing with business that this remote work and virtual meetings, it actually works and you're up close and personal to that person. Um, I And I hope that that kind of stays to limit the amount of flights that we need to take. Um, mm. the, then this is... and. Uh, this is one more reason to listen to my podcast. It's now very environmentally fr friendly rather than going to a live show. You're right. I'm making a stupid joke. But uh, but I, I actually didn't. I just thought of that. Were people flying uh, to your shows? I mean, I don't blame them. They no. should. But I Well, I was flying to go yeah, oh, to yeah, you were. perform you were. <laughs> shows. And then they were, then they were driving. Um, well... Uh, talk a little bit about this, um, uh, your idea of a unified earth system. So is this, is this, cause usually you hear this term in, in, um, in physics, a lot of these unifying theories of like, well, we need to figure out how relativity and quantum mechanics work together. And is that, is that kind of the same general idea? Yes, yeah, it's, it's finding out how our biologic, physical, chemical, atmospheric, how all of our systems work together. Um, and, you know, the reason why we haven't been able to answer a lot of the questions that, uh, that we still have about how the planet works is because we haven't been able to connect these systems. And the reason for that is sometimes it's just, you know, not enough monitoring, not enough data to be able to create those models um, or inconsistent data. And because we are limited by funding as scientists. Um, but with modeling, the beauty of it is that it can fill in those spaces. You know, not with, not with all systems, um, but if we're stepping back and looking at a global system, our grid size starts to get bigger and bigger, meaning that it gets less and less detailed and the places where those that data or those data are are lacking, um, it kind of starts to be okay when you're looking at it from a bigger scale. But the importance of that is that we need to. I mean, look at for example, Saharan dust. It's not just the United States. It's not just you know Iowa to to Louisiana. It's 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 the globe. You know, Saharan dust comes over. Um, from from Africa and provides nutrients to the Amazon, but also provides nutrients to a marine cyanobacteria, which is a precursor for the toxic algae species Florida red tide. You know, like, and 
what they're doing in Africa um, to either promote the release of that sand or to uh, dampen it, that, that impacts us. It impacts us directly. It also impacts the Amazon in another way. Um, mm. But but when, it, I mean, you and then you look at our trash and our pollution that way too and and how you know, everybody's always pointing the finger at other countries uh, about their pollution, but our trash is going over there and that's, you know, we're adding to that problem. So I think having kind of a unified earth system. We send, I didn't even know that we send our trash to other countries. Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't even, I yeah. mean, I feel a little foolish for just not assuming that that was already the case. It's crazy, but. right? You see these places in India that have all these electronics just like thrown in a river and it's, it's wasn't theirs. It was ours. And like, you know, China uh, isn't taking our recycling anymore, which is why our recycling has gone down. Um, because apparently our recycling was too contaminated. Um, and I do like in one way, like our, our recycling rules aren't really, people don't know, people don't know that you're, you can't put a pizza box in the recycling bin. I didn't you, know that. Yeah, you, I mean, there's certain plastics that can't go. Why? Well, with the pizza, it's the oil that, that mm. kind of messes up machinery. And then with like plastic bags, Publix will recycle them. Certain places will recycle plastic bags separately, but if you put it in a regular recycling facility, it'll gum up their system. So they'll mm. just put that whole bin right in the landfill. So it's it's just, I understand that, that more education was needed to get a better product for somebody else to recycle, but it's just crazy that we were sending our trash all the way to China to recycle. Um, it's just, and but we are still sending our trash. So pretty soon they're not, they're not going to want our trash. They're not going to want our industry that's over there, you know, polluting their land. We're going to have to do something back here. And that's the one thing that I see positive with the pandemic is that, you know, if our industry manufacturing all of that, if it has to come back to the United States, people aren't going to stand for that kind of pollution. We're going to have to innovate. We're going to have to find renewable energy sources and we're going to have to find new ways to be more sustainable so that we're not impacting public health. Hmm. But I anyway, mean, but, uh, can, can, it, can it be sold as a, as you know, a job creation oh, yeah. program? Yeah, yeah, it's right? definitely a job creation. It's just at those companies that, that at the top, they can't save that kind of money that they were saving, paying workers a lot less in another country, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, I'm kind of all over the place with this. The point is that- No, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're nailing it. Um, yeah, but, sorry. Yeah, so the point is that with, an, if we're looking at the earth, if we're looking at our systems globally, we'll start to think about our systems globally at the personal level as long as that education is uh, conveyed. Hmm. What, so what are some of the big questions that you would, you would love to really, uh, you're an ambitious uh, a person. Now you're going to have this, this new position, all of these teams and everything that you can utilize. Um, I mean, we, we are, we're probably, we're at least probably as well positioned as ever to gain more data and use AI and process data and things like that. I mean, there's, there's certainly been a number of wonderful 
technological advances to to learn AI, more. cloud computing, and community science efforts, getting the public to join in, take ownership, and become scientists with us and help us gather data. Data that's another it's another huge part of that. But those those big questions, um, you know, climate change, sea level rise, ocean acidification, our coral reefs, uh, biodiversity extinction. Uh, more um, uh, more accurate prediction and forecast for uh, natural disasters like hurricanes, um, wildfires, um, drought. If, you know, with climate change, if people are going to have to be shifted around and moved, where are they going to go? Um, where should they go? Where can they go? Um, things like that. I mean, this this global model will be able to be used for hundreds or thousands of years built upon and and made more you know more detailed as we start innovating technology gets better hmm. hey everybody it's elaine welteroth and i'm hosting a new podcast called built to last by american express where we will dive deep into the stories history and continued legacy of small businesses that shape american culture our debut season will focus on Black-owned small businesses that need our support now more than ever. In each episode, we feature the story of a Black business trailblazer that has inspired a modern Black-owned business. First up is Pinky Cole of Atlanta's food truck turned restaurant, Saletti Vegan. We'll also chat with Hanifa Muemba, the cutting edge designer behind the Hanifa 3D digital fashion show. Plus, we'll check in with Issa Rae, our modern day Renaissance woman. We hope that it encourages all of our listeners to support these businesses as well as the Black-owned businesses in your own communities. Tune in for these amazing stories and others on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's JCPenney here, back with some great gift ideas for everyone on your list. And they're all available now at your local JCPenney or online. Need gifts for her? Check out our selection of diamond jewelry that's sure to put a sparkle in her eye. Or help her cozy up at home with pajama separates and super soft slippers. For him, try JCPenney's grooming products like shave sets and trimmers. Or compliment his style with smart flannels and jeans from brands like Arizona, Levi's, and more. Also, stop by Sephora inside JCPenney to find top fragrances for both him and her. For the kids, shop this year's must-have toys and games for all ages. Or bring smiles to all with matching sleepwear sets for the whole family. And for everyone else on your list, share some warmth with a heated blanket, an ultra-cozy scarf, or let them decide with a gift card. There are so many ways to share the joy this holiday season, and so many ways to shop JCPenney. Visit a store near you, pick up curbside, or go to jcp.com. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. Um, well, I'm very excited for you. Will you Will you come back on again? Um, when I know what I'm doing, actually, yeah. So, yeah, when you actually know what you're doing. That's it. That's and report idea. back. Yes. And we're like, oh, this is hell. I hate it here. It's impossible. We're all screwed. <laughs> That's going to be the next episode. Um, I, 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 I am very excited for And I'm excited because a few of the things that I want to plug before you uh, or I want to discuss before we wrap up is the many things that you do in terms of public communication. Um, like I said, a lot of the academics that I have, like some of them don't have it, even have a Twitter account. Yeah. Almost no one has an Instagram account and like you're you're putting out so much incredible content 
all of the time and to make and to make things visual and entertaining for people is uh and accessible is is such a big part of what needs to be done i was watching one of your uh one of your videos so you're so uh I, I I mean I think that in a lot of your videos you're just you're just this real like delightful um positive uh here's a fun fact about this and that and but then my but my favorite one uh th- this one touched me you got a little uh uh <laughs> you got a little rough around the edges you were uh it, it really spoke to me it was it was like so, so much of like my disposition on things you put out a survey to fans um this is recently about uh, by the time this comes out people meet, might need to go back a little bit on your instagram but you asked people if they wanted to hear about uh, the mars rover or or of like some new earth Climate environmental yep yeah yeah and people picked mars and then you just gave them like a real talking to (laughs) about it and then like begrudgingly told them like um uh, just just like you with the most annoyed delivery ever gave them (laughs) facts about mars which was hilarious like ah it's a it's a planet of rust that you guys want to hear about rather than the <laughs> the one that we live on and are dependent on that's full of life everywhere right. this is what you guys want to hear about what is up with people's penchant for the, like the outer space stuff like it was my first love too like when i was a teenager uh-huh. thinking about the universe and our place in it i physics was my first love uh, well after math i guess but but regardless like i get the attraction but it is so funny to to really um, think about it. like outer space or like whoa what if there's aliens and you can go outside and you're like anyone could go outside and go to a park and if you look hard enough you'll find some sort of species of something or other that you were completely unfamiliar with yeah. before. Hey, did you know the new finding, you know, they found on a planet that um, that there is an element or a compound that when it's in dense, it, when it's in solid phase, it's less dense. Like that's crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> is, is that you're talking about earth right now <laughs> it's ice. It's, it's ice. yeah i'm talking about water that thing that we kind of need that isn't really accessible <laughs> anywhere else yeah that thing. <laughs> that thing yeah ice pretty cool stuff <laughs> it's pretty cool it, stuff i and it's just i guess because this isn't just um i've i've made this point on the show a number of times of again bringing up i i guess what what i would call just mindfulness of just being aware of your surroundings the things that you pass by every day the the uh, just how trees work the the critters everywhere that that are uh you know it's hard when it's just hard when you're used to them when i went to australia and i saw like their possums uh, I was like, oh my, because uh, they have, 
the cutest possums on planet really? Earth. I I don't know if you've seen. Oh no, I have now. I have to yeah. look that up. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll send you some pic. They're so cute, and and they uh, it, it's amazing, and they hate them because I guess they get in, like their attics or whatever, so they're like pests to them, <laughs> and. And there, our squirrels are like their pot. Like they see our our squirrels are like, you guys just have these squirrels around all the time, and you don't appreciate how incredible these things are. And it's just, you know, you you get accustomed to something, and right. you, it's hard to really appreciate because when you're a little kid, you don't you don't need to be. You don't need to be taught that like insects are interesting when you're a little kid. You naturally have this curiosity and want to like collect them in jars or burn these poor things with a with a magnifying glass or whatever. Point is you do have a natural curiosity. Right. It's something no one needs to learn how to be curious about the environment. It's something that's unlearned right. um, over time. And I don't know if it's our education system or we just, you know, maybe it's you hit puberty and you start thinking about boys or girls or, you, you know, your interests <laughs> change into different levels of life. And then you and then you graduate or whatever. And and you be like, well, what's this job stuff? And how do I make the money? That is so very important. Whatever it is, stop exploring. We, we just lose. We stop exploring. And it's, and it's something that seems like inherent in in who we are. And I think we're all we're all kind of you know, guilty of that. Um, yeah. And that's why, honestly, you know how you said that I'm usually really pleasant in my videos. So a lot of the videos that I posted were from a kid's show called Animal Outtakes. Now, I'm not about <laughs> and, that's why. and so first of all, it's a kid's show. But second yeah. of all, I'm just so, every time I'm around an animal, it's so new to me that I'm like genuinely just yeah. like so amazed by the fact that I am I am this close to this animal that I've never seen before, you know? Yeah. It, it's my, just... my last three days, I was learning about sloths, which I already knew some about sloths. And then I got on this, uh, last night, I got on this kick of, uh, of light. I, I asked a professor about the evolution of, um, of facial hair and or more like how we lost hair over time and stuff and then and then they pointed out to me that there's two different species of lice on us pubic lice and head and head lice and you get the pubic lice on your beard i don't know if you i you well, like that i know certainly you could i'm not sure if it stays there i don't know if it's the right environment and then i went on this whole uh, this whole lice rabbit hole because that blew my because most other mammals just have you know they lice. have the same hair right. over the, so they have the same louse on 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 their on their fur the fur that covers their whole body we have we have like actual genetic drift we have we have like um uh, you, you know like genetic islands of speciation <laughs> in the lice on on our wow. on our bodies and then i i looked into it and it's like it's also how we know 
when we were like near gorillas at this point in our evolutionary history, when we were near Neanderthals, when we might have started wearing clothes because there's clothes lice too as a whole other species. This is crazy. Blew my brain to bits. And and it just took a little bit of like, oh, pubes are funny. I'm going to do a little Google search on that. And then it was just like one mind-blowing thing after another. But that's like that's the cool thing is we have we have at our fingertips with anyone can just go on Wikipedia and go on a little uh, down a little wormhole and learn all of this in incredible stuff now. Yeah. And I hope that we, I think that we just need to steer people toward that direction. Maybe a little less fast and furious, sir. Um, uh, what's the biggest craziest explosion we can capture in a in a movie with Vin Diesel or whatever? I was on and Mythbusters. Maybe, I know how that is. <laughs> maybe a a little more finding ways to get people to appreciate the nuance and complexity in life and within nature. I I mean it's it's like uh the tough part is convincing producers that environment is actually visual. It's like it's so funny. Yeah. They think that ghosts and uh finding Bigfoot is acceptable but not You've heard you've heard my bit about that I that I believe. Uh, like yeah, all these people trying to find Bigfoot or even like the Loch Ness monster is you work in an aquarium like assume the Loch Ness monster was real. It wouldn't be any more interesting than these critters on my shirt right here. I got a I got a seahorse. I got what do we got? We got a whale. We got we got a couple of whales on there. How like if you could a, if have a, a Loch Ness monster, monster on there? If a Loch Ness monster was real, right. it'd be like okay, there's a giraffe type ish sort of I mean, fish it's, thing. But that's the thing; it's about the unknown, just like. Just like the fascination right. with Mars over Earth. It's right. like they assume that they know what's around them and they kind of don't want to know if they don't because then... Trees, I get it. <laughs> right, Done. right. Yeah. So you're not supposed to know about outer space. That's a mystery to everybody. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the problem is that we don't want to realize what we don't know about what's around us. It's like an mm -hmm. ego thing. I don't know. Maybe. That's like a made up. It might just be that as a culture, it's just, you know, this is just a part of much in the same way that that we have learned an appreciation for nuance and complexity a bit as we've aged. I still have a long ways to go. I'm a pretty immature person for uh, the age of, of, of 40, but, you know, you, you see like a state of arrested development in. And lots of uh, people, depending on, you know, their life path. Um, so to so to society and, and society's interest in things can go different directions and, and move toward, um, um, you know, an appreciation of of uh, of other things rather than celebrating the base level i've been going crazy lately just like the celeb the pr the prideful ignorance that's that's going on right now is so scary to me because it's not 
it's one thing when someone's like, oh, this poor person didn't have the education available to them. And but they do, and that. right. But when someone does and is just like, it's a part of their identity to uh, to fight against any anyone trying to <laughs> say anything intelligent, intelligent in any way is... It's hard for me to have that empathy stuff for those people that you, you yeah, it's about. it's hard to imagine um, being so averse to growth, you know, mm -hmm. to learning more and and becoming a different person as you learn more. Like it's just very it's very interesting, you're right. Like it's it, I really want to talk to those kind of people a little bit more, you know really try to find out why <laughs> why they don't want to that that novelty will wear off and <laughs> i've had my fill i used to be a factory worker and stuff like, and that's not to diminish factory workers but within working third shift in a factory is also like a different level and then and then i would go to the bars afterwards because that's where i was at i right. was a 21 22 year old but i was like hanging out with 50 year olds that would go to a bar right. at seven in the morning after their factory job and so you know i got a real peek into into the psyche lifestyle and psyche is like so um but uh, regardless uh, my audience is a exceptionally um curious audience that is super interested in in learning more so so uh, i'm not i don't need to worry as much about con uh, um convincing my listeners that your stuff is worthwhile let's just point them in the uh in the right direction what do you got going on that you'd like people to find uh so on twitter facebook instagram it's it's at inspector planet uh it's it's you know uh inspector gadget meets Captain Planet, it's sustainability and innovation coming together because I don't think that true sustainability can be reached without uh, innovation helping get get close to that. So mm -hmm. Inspector Planet uh, and um, I have a YouTube too, but really it's the YouTube is mostly for my friends' kids. Um, but, <laughs> but I tell you what, you know, that was a kid's show that I do with the animals. I learned something every single time. I had no idea what I was going to say until I, you know, because I wasn't funded for that. So about five minutes beforehand, I would learn all these facts, be completely floored. So then I was super excited to tell everybody about these facts, like a mantis shrimp. What a badass! Like, seriously, check them out. And have you ever heard a sea lion roar like that? That that will blow your mind. I mean, they're mantis like hey, shrimp. They what what is it that they do they like shock or something like what's the the mantis shrimp yeah what's yep, the thing the that highest they do that... acceleration in the animal kingdom yeah that like the it's like a crazy uh, um they have a, like speed a of... spring system what? so oh, it's that's held what, yeah, back yeah. yeah it's it's pretty it's it's amazing what mm. they do and then you know like like my producer was like, oh, ask the question, how similar is a sea lion to a lion? I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Turns out a sea lion is like 
cousins with a bear, first of all. And second of all, when you hear a sea lion actually roar, it sounds literally like a lion. See, like, see how excited I am right now? Because I know nothing about sea lions. I, that's amazing. So, I didn't know that either. Yeah. I knew, I knew like the, I knew like the cow dolphin whale connection situation. But I did not. Now I do. Sea lions. And what about the wow. manatee and elephant? I mean, you could kind of see that they're the same color, but. I, di I didn't know manatee and elephant. Yeah. Yeah, that's... they had the fingernails. The elephant. Ah, vestigial nails? Yeah. Apparently. Wow. Right. So, like, well, maybe they're using the nails. That's what we have to inspire in in adults and it, you know because kids it kind of comes naturally but we need to inspire this like curiosity to learn things because there are things all around us and if we get people hooked on the adrenaline of learning and and just exploring you know like the whole world can change from that mm. so that's kind of the mission of inspector planet is is getting people connected to each other to the world to the natural environment and so our actions change you're awesome i'm so excited for you and your new job um oh by the way you i'm sure you knew there's aquatic sloths did you did you know that and in, in in the past si similar there was a uh, South America, so, something happened. There was like some desertification or something like that that happened where um, uh, where where sloths were running out of food and their bone density changed so they could sink to the bottom easier. Sloths can hold their breath really well and they're actually excellent swimmers. Wow. I think even today, the sloths that exist are faster in water than they are um certainly on land but even climbing um but uh that kind of makes sense i mean think yeah. about how they're shaped they have they have the crazy long arms that are perfect for it and then um have yeah so they close? so there are these aquatic so they'd go down to the bottom and get vegetation there and then they went extinct when um some something some canal or something something happened that changed changed the water temperature and um probably humans and uh drove them into extinction i don't i don't quite remember that one might not have been humans we are probably responsible for the giant ground sloth that was in australia that was the size of elephants and i will never forgive humanity for uh that because how awesome would that be yeah. if those things still existed have you ever seen a sloth um, like up close and personal no i want to okay let me tell you right now yeah like at first you're like oh my god it's a bat it's a big bat without wings like yeah. have you seen the teeth <laughs> they have literal vampire teeth and a pig nose it looks, I know the pig nose. It looks like a big bat. You got to see the teeth. What do they have vampire teeth for? Oh, They're yeah. Watch leaves. my sloth video. It gets up close okay. and personal. Okay. But the craziest thing is, you know, you look at that, how the hands have evolved. And you're just like, holy hell. Like, I watched, you know, not Afraid of the Dark when I was little. And I heard about the guy with the hook hands in the back seat, you know, that you didn't realize yeah. was in the car. Like, that, the hook hand, like, that. It's, cr this is a crazy animal.
those hooks are so uh, incredible that they often remain hanging when they die. I'm not surprised. They, at they all. die. They die hanging. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But like it's a, it's actually protects them from um from it's a deterrent from poachers. Oh yeah. Poachers will poachers will try to shoot them or whatever, but they don't. <laughs> they get them, but they don't. They're still just That's hanging so... in there. <laughs> so poachers are like, yeah, not Shit. worth it. I'm not. There's no point in there. killing them up in the tree. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, I just called it. I didn't even think about that. Often. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, it's uh, thanks for letting me nerd out about sauce with you. It's uh, this is this is terrific. I would. Why don't you when when you get settled in and um, and especially when if if you have some new project or something like that uh, taken off, like another project like tracy ruins in everything or any other kind of media or you you book a tv show or something like that please get a hold of me and come back on i will there's actually something really uh exciting i don't know if i can okay we might have to cut this out oh, well uh, let's let's wrap up and you tell me afterwards okay about that all right well th that'll be a teaser for um for people so well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's always it's always a pleasure, Shane. You're amazing. Yeah, great to see you. And thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>